Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Hello, listeners. I'm Chris White, president of CXR, and I'm today's conductor on this speeding bullet train of conversation. And it's a bullet train because we only spend just 10 minutes chatting with an industry practitioner or a head of talent as they share their insights around just one thing they'd like to make sure that you know. Now, it might be a lesson they've learned the hard way or a victory that they think everyone deserves to win, but they jump on board live with us nearly every week to share with you. Now, if you've not already subscribed to this joyride, be sure you point your browser over to cxr.org slash podcast and take advantage of all the fancy subscription buttons that we've added there for you. Now, you can dial in from nearly any platform available, so take a moment to make sure you don't miss an episode of this or any of our other segments like Uncorked, Have You Met, Moments That Matter, and more. Now, if you are here live and you have any questions for our guest, you can add those to the chat window and we'll do our best to work them into the conversation. If we do run out of time, however, we'll make sure to drop them over in our open and free Career Crossroads Recruiting Community Forums that are now found at cxr.org slash talent talks. Now today, we're talking with an industry friend and talent leader, Grant Clough. Now Grant, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Chris? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for asking, Grant. I appreciate that. <laughs> so you're no stranger to the podcast. We've, we've actually been on the podcast a few times before. Yeah, you roped me in, Chris, I believe back a couple of years ago when I attended one of the CXR events in North Carolina at your member Spectrum. Uh, and myself, you, and I believe Scott Weaver connected on um, candidate experience, or actually stakeholder experience. That's right. That's right. And there was a roadmap that was shared too that was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the time we were doing uh, uh, user journey uh, exercises with not just the, uh, the talent acquisition processes, but also uh, HR processes uh, kind of as a whole. Uh, that had become kind of a standard piece of our um, looking at how we did things. Yeah. Well, so obviously, if you're back, today's lesson learned doesn't have anything to do with about not coming back to the show. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yep. Nope. Uh, nothing negative happened to me as a result. I wasn't canceled. Uh, nothing like that happened. Understood. Well, look, so Grant, um, let's start, let's start somewhere a little softer than normal. Like a okay. lot happened for you personally during the pandemic, right? You've, you've had a little bit of change during the pandemic. I have. And actually, Chris, the last time I think I saw both Ben, Jerry and Barb in person, um, ARP was hosting your last CXR event. And I don't know if you remember, but I had to mysteriously disappear from that last day. And it's because um, my wife and I were uh, embarking on a fertility journey and there was a um, procedure that I needed to lend a hand to that no one else could do but me. <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's one of those all hands type of events. You, you've just got to get in there. Well, we only needed a couple hands, but yes. Huh. That's great. Well, it sounds like everything came out okay. It did. So over the course of, um, you know, that that was, I believe, November, December of 2019. Uh, fast forward into 2020 and um, March, the world kind of stopped. And, you know, that was actually kind of a net positive for my wife and I. We were uh, we ended up welcoming our first child, a, a baby Colton, uh, in August of 2020. And really, that was I, I say it was the pandemic was kind of a net positive for me, which is sort of a weird thing to say. I was in a meeting one day and one of the business partners stopped the meeting, said, I don't, I don't want to hear that 
2020 was a bad year. It was the best year of my life. And I really thought about it and I was like, you know, this really was one of the best years of my life. And I was afforded so many opportunities because of this pandemic that I never would have gotten otherwise. And so two weeks after the baby came and I was back at work, I could go get coffee, I could use the bathroom and I could see him for five minutes, which if I was commuting into DC, just isn't something that would have been possible before. Uh, and so, you know, kind of throughout that year, uh, throughout the last 18 months, I've really gotten a chance to see him grow up in a way that I think a lot of parents probably never have. Um, and so that, that was kind of one piece. Uh, I also was grinding away on a master's degree, which I wrapped up here in May. Uh, and so I, I finished that, finally started in August of 2017 and um, one class at a time. That's how you eat the elephant. So um, just kind of a lot of things that have been going on for sure, personally. I, I think that's wonderful. Look, it's a hot topic right now for everybody, right? This post-pandemic recruiting mm -hmm. and retention. Uh, we just had a, a meeting on this the other day, really well received, a lot of really great discussion on what's going on with candidates and how they're working on this new, this new approach to attraction because of the pandemic and trying to pull people in uh, and the change in candidate flow and the change in candidate behavior. Everybody's very concerned about it. But what I wish we'd see more of, I think, is the post-pandemic people management, right? And the right. element of ability. And while maybe you could argue that that sits inside of the retention, I do think there's a lot more to that. And I, I think that's kind of what you're talking about, being able to stay home with your son. Yeah, I think so. And, I, you know, that's as we move into the conversation about me leaving AARP and why I ended up leaving, I, I think that's a stick. I don't think that's necessarily the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I think there's a pile of things. Everything's much more complex than just, you know, one issue for people. Um, but I think it's an overall talent management uh, conversation. And, you know, candidly, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity as a talent acquisition professional and, you know, as a, under the bigger umbrella of talent management to have a more tightly integrated conversation between the two groups or just make it one group. Do you think, Grant, that it's a, I mean, we're reading a lot of stuff, we're seeing some research come out where people are, are mm -hmm. talking about how it's going to need to be a different style of management. Managers are going to have to yeah. get ready to be able to manage the whole employee, right? Not just the nine to five or now, but because, because the employees are like, oh, well, well, shit, I got, a, I got a taste of some of this life balance that we're talking about, right? And while some want to come back to the office, many don't want to be forced back to the office and they want to try to retain a little bit of that balance. How, how, do, you, how do you sort of see that evolving? As somebody who said, I want more balance, right? Uh, and as somebody who's a pretty good people manager from a balance perspective and now a new lens, right, with your new son, how do you see that shift coming? What, how do you see managers sort of taking that on if they take it on at all? Well, I think being a mid-level manager is probably the hardest job in an organization because you have to take that on and you have to deal with the individual circumstances of the people who you work for or you work with um when you look up kind of the higher level of management it, you know it's really helpful for you as a mid-level manager if the organization takes a stand kind of one way or another um, i think there was a great article on hong lin's newsletter this week I apologize, I don't have the direct attribution, but it really talked about the six different ways on the spectrum that you can go into um, a kind of a return to work all the way from, we're getting rid of our offices, we're a remote only organization back to, hey, we're 100% back in the office and, and kind of all the variants in between. And there's pros and cons to all of that. And I think there's not a right or wrong answer as to what an organization wants to do, aside from let's just let it breathe and figure it out. 
I think really there, there is value in leadership of organizations being delivered about choosing what they want to do, understanding that whatever they choose is not going to work for everyone and that there is going to potentially be some attrition um, regardless of what they decide to do. But to, to take a course, choose it, and um, you, know, you can always pivot down the road. Yeah, we've, we've talked to a couple of organizations that are really, really, and big, big organizations, really, really hesitant to share their, their solidified plan. And I suspect mm -hmm. that's not because it's, it's actually not solidified, right? If they're smart, they're getting ready to flex, but they don't want to be seen as the people sort of cutting the path, right? They, they don't want to yeah. be paving the way for what should be the new normal. They kind of want to sit back on this one and see what's happening. Are there, are there any, we've seen managers that are doing it right, but are there any companies that you see are, are doing it right or doing something that's that's a little more intriguing? So I think the companies that are doing it right are just taking a stand. Um, if you think about it, and our lens is always on recruiting, right, Chris? But if you think about it from just taking a stand, being able to have your recruiters, when they're out there in the market trying to get you talent, be able to articulate what it is that you're doing is really, really valuable. And if you have something tough to find, like, oh, say an architect or a software engineer, not being able to articulate what's expected from them in six months is tough. How are you, how are you gonna make that higher? Um, and so organizations that maybe went fully remote or maybe hey, they've said, hey, we're going to be back in the office and you can be in you know, this location, this location, or this location, at least you're kind of planting a flag and saying, this is what you can expect of your journey with us. It's, it's just really hard to offer someone quote unquote, full-time employment and not tell them what that's going to look like. Yeah, well, we, um, that was part of the discussion the other day too, is some of the leaders said, look, we're having trouble convincing people to come in, this top talent to come in, because mm -hmm. we're like, yeah, you can be remote for the next four months. And after that, we have to see what happens. And that's, that's a tough thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Particularly, uh, you know, and, and working at my last employer, ARP, where you might have to take the metro into the city. Uh, we had a I'd say a pretty, pretty professional environment. So at minimum, somebody's gonna have to at least put khakis and a button down on. Um, you know, there, there, there are definitely pieces that make it hard for you to decide. And that's what we really are looking for people to do. Hey, do we have something going? Hey, are we a fit? Without giving them information makes it really tough. So Grant, let, let's, let's head out of the conversation with you telling us with, with your experience and, and your uh, level of professionalism within the space, right? What does the perfect work environment look like for you leading a team? Is it, are you all the way in the office? Are you telling them what days to come in? Or is it completely remote? What, what does it look like if you get to design it today? So if I got to design it today and I, I don't Chris, candidly have opportunity or I have experience managing a large organization myself, uh, if I was to manage a team and have you know, five to 15 people working for me, I think I really would want to understand who was on that team and what they needed first. Um, I took a really good training called Structured or, or um, Situational Leadership 2, which is funny because there's no one, there's just Situational Leadership 2 a while back. And really it talked about how you manage people differently depending on who they are, as well as managing them differently for tasks depending on where they were on the maturity cycle of that task. And so I think the same thing is true with, with managing a team. Um, if you have a bunch of people who just graduated from college and they are really keen to get back into the office and there's a huge so social aspect of that, 
I think you have to accommodate them and provide that structure, that balance, that learning and cool opportunities for them. Uh, and at the same time, if there's somebody who is like me, 40 years old, has a small child at home and is looking for a little bit additional flexibility, you need to be able to kind of to work with those as well too. And if you can't, you just need to be upfront and be able to say that this is not, we're looking for a different type of person. I, I candidly think as we move into 2021, 2022, 2023, these are going to be more issues where people are looking for the fit and we cringe every time we hear cultural fit, right? But that this is cultural fit kind of at its best. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're talking about the people being the culture, not the idea of culture that, that typically gets rolled down, right? And, and I love I love the people-centric management approach mm -hmm. that you've got, right? Trying to balance that with the results and making sure that works. Grant, thank you so much uh, for joining us for this quick 10 minutes. We really appreciate you, man. I, no, I really enjoyed uh, seeing you, Chris. Welcome, welcome back to Texas. Yeah, well, thanks. I'm just really excited to see if any of my furniture and, and clothing gets here. Really, really, really missing all my collared shirts. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> and next time we'll be back with none other than Kevin Grossman. Now, you know this guy. He's the president of the talent board. Uh, those are the folks that have been crushing the Candidate Experience Award for years. Now, as recruiting professionals, we all know that upwards of about 40% of a company's hires can come from referrals. Yet most of us only focus on employee or customer referrals. Kevin's going to join us and share why he thinks we're missing out big time if we're not leveraging candidate referrals. That's right, candidate referrals. So until such time, uh, I'm telling you to check out all of the updates and new benefits of the Career Crossroads communities online at cxr.works. There you'll find free open community groups, members-only community groups, private invitation-only community groups, and some wonderful and new open networking community groups all added and upgraded with thousands of people already collaborating and sharing with one another to help solve big talent challenges. Now, we've been doing community with talent professionals for over 25 years, and we're always evolving around what our members are asking for. So check it out at cxr.works. Till next time. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.